Chapter forty one of the Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens. Chapter forty one. Containing some romantic passages between Mrs. Nickleby and the gentleman in the small clothes next door. Ever since her last momentous conversation with her son, Mrs. Nickleby had begun to display unusual care in the adornment of her person, gradually superadding to those staid and matronly habiliments which had made up to that time, formed her ordinary attire, a variety of embellishments and decorations, slight perhaps in themselves, but taken together and considered with reference to the subject of her disclosure, of no mean importance. Even her black dress assumed something of a deadly lively air from the jaunty style in which it was worn, and, eked out as its lingering attractions were, by a prudent disposal here and there of certain juvenile ornaments of little or no value, which had, for that reason alone, escaped the general wreck and had been permitted to slumber peacefully in odd corners of old drawers and boxes where daylight seldom shone. Her morning garments assumed quite a new character, for on being the outward tokens of respect and sorrow for the dead, they became converted into signals of very slaughterous, killing designs upon the living. Mrs. Nickleby might have been stimulated to this proceeding by a lofty sense of duty and impulses of unquestionable excellence. She might by this time have become impressed with the sinfulness of long indulgence in unveiling woe, or the necessity of setting a proper example of neatness and decorum to her blooming daughter. Considerations of duty and responsibility apart, the change might have taken its rise in feelings of the purest and most disinterested charity. The gentleman next door had been vilified by Nicholas, rudely stigmatised as a dotard and an idiot, and for these attacks upon his understanding Mrs. Nickleby was, in some sort, accountable. She might have felt that it was the act of a good Christian to show by all means in her power that the abused gentleman was neither one nor the other, and what better means could she adopt towards so virtuous and laudable an end than proving to all men in her own person his passion was the most rational and reasonable in the world, and just the very result of all others which discreet and thinking persons might have foreseen from her incautiously displaying her matured charms without reserve under the very eye, as it were, of an ardent and too susceptible man. Ah, said Mrs. Nickleby, gravely shaking her head, if Nicholas knew what his poor dear papa suffered before we were engaged, when I used to hate him, he would have had little more feeling shall i ever forget the morning i looked scornfully at him when he offered to carry my parasol or that night when i frowned at him it was a mercy he didn't emigrate it very nearly drove him to it whether the deceased might not have been better off if he had emigrated in his bachelor days was a question which his relic did not stop to consider for kate entered the room with her workbox in this stage of her reflections and a much slighter interruption or no interruption at all would have diverted Mrs. Nickleby's thoughts into a new channel at any time. "'Kate, my dear,' said Mrs. Nickleby, "'I don't know how it is, but a fine warm summer day like this, with the birds singing in every direction, always puts me in mind of roast pig, with sage and onion sauce and made gravy. That's a curious association of ideas, is it not, mamma? "'Pon my word, my dear, I don't know,' replied Mrs. Nickleby. "'Roast pig, let me see.' But the five weeks after you were christened we had roast no that couldn't have been a pig either because i recollect there was a pair of them to carve and your poor papa and i could never have thought of sitting down to two pigs they must have been partridges 
roast pig i hardly think we ever could have had one now i come to remember for your papa could never bear the sight of them in the shops and used to say they always put him in mind of very little babies only the pigs had a much fairer complexions and he had a horror of little babies too because he couldn't very well afford any increase to his family and had a natural dislike to the subject it's very odd now what could have put that in my head i recollect dining once at mrs bevan's in that broad street round the corner by the coachmakers where the tipsy man fell through the cellar flap of an empty house nearly a week before the quarter day and wasn't found till the new tenant went in and we had roast pig there must be that i think that reminds me of it especially as there was a little bird in the room that would keep on singing all the time of dinner at least not a little bird for it was a parrot and he didn't sing exactly for he talked and swore dreadfully but i think it must be that indeed i'm sure it must shouldn't you say so my dear i should say there was not a doubt about it mamma returned kate with a cheerful smile no but do you think so kate said mrs nickleby with as much gravity as if it were a question of the most imminent and thrilling interest if you don't say so at once you know because it's just as well to be correct particularly on a point of this kind which is very curious and worth settling while one thinks about it kate laughingly replied that she was quite convinced and as her mamma still appeared undetermined whether it was not absolutely essential that subject should be renewed proposed that they should take their work into the summer-house and enjoy the beauty of the afternoon mrs nickleby readily assented to the summer-house they repaired without further discussion well i will say observed mrs nickleby as she took her seat that there never was such a good creature as smike upon my word the pains he has taken in putting up his little arbiter rights and training the sweetest flowers about it are beyond anything i could have i wish he wouldn't put all the gravel on your side kate my dear though and leave me nothing but mould for me dear mamma returned kate hastily take this seat do oblige me mamma no indeed my dear i shall keep my own side said mrs nickleby well i declare kate looked up inquiringly if he hasn't been said mrs nickleby and got from somewhere or other a couple of roots of those flowers that i said i was so fond of the other night and asked if you were not no that you said you were fond of the other night and asked me if i wasn't it's the same thing now upon my word i take that as very kind and attentive indeed i don't see added mrs nickleby looking narrowly about her any of them on my side but i shall suppose they grow best near the gravel you may depend upon it they do kate and that's the reason they're all near you and he has put the gravel there because it's the sunny side upon my word that's very clever now i shouldn't have half as much thought myself mamma said kate bending over her work so that her face was almost hidden before you were married dear me kate interrupted mrs nickleby what in the name of goodness graciousness makes you fly off the time before i was married when i'm talking to you about his thoughtfulness and attention to me you don't seem to take the smallest interest in the garden oh mamma said kate raising her face again you know i do well then my dear why don't you praise the neatness and prettiness with which it's kept said mrs nickleby how very odd you are kate i do praise it mamma answered kate gently poor fellow i scarcely ever hear you my dear retorted mrs nickleby that's all i've got to say by this time the good lady had been a long while upon one topic so she fell at once into her daughter's little trap if trap it were and inquired what she had been going to say about what mamma said kate who had apparently quite forgotten her diversion lor kate my dear returned her mother why you're asleep or stupid about the time before i was married oh yes said kate i remember i was going to ask mamma before you were married had you many suitors suitors my dear cried mrs nickleby with a smile of wonderful complacency first and last kate i must have had a dozen at least 
mamma returned kate in a tone of remonstrance i had indeed my dear said mrs nickleby not including your poor papa or a young gentleman who used to go at that time to the same dancing school and who would send gold watches and bracelets to our house in gilt-edged paper which were always returned and who afterwards unfortunately went out to botany bay in a cadet ship a convict ship i mean and escaped into a bush and killed sheep i don't know how they got there and was going to be hung only accidentally choked himself and the government pardoned him then there was young lukin said mrs nickleby beginning with her left thumb and checking off the names on her fingers mogley tipslark cabbery smithser and now having reached her little finger mrs nickleby was carrying the account over to the other hand when a loud ahem which appeared to come from the very foundation of the garden wall gave both herself and her daughter a violent start mamma what was that said kate in a low tone of voice upon my word my dear returned mrs nickleby considerably startled unless it was the gentleman belonging to the next house i don't know what it could possibly um, cried the same voice and that not in the tone of an ordinary clearing of the throat but in a kind of bellow which woke up all the echoes in the neighbourhood and was prolonged to an extent which must have made the unseen bellower quite black in the face i understand it now my dear said mrs nickleby laying her hand on kate's don't be alarmed my love it's not directed to you and it's not intended to frighten anybody let us give everybody their due kate i am bound to say that so saying mrs nickleby nodded her head and patted the back of her daughter's hand a great many times and looked as if she could tell something vastly important if she chose but had self-denial thank heaven and wouldn't do it what do you mean mamma demanded kate in evident surprise don't be flurried my dear replied mrs nickleby looking towards the garden wall for you see i'm not and if it would be excusable in anybody to be flurried it certainly would under all the circumstances to be excusable in me but i am not kate not at all it seems designed to attract our attention mamma said kate it is designed to attract our attention my dear at least rejoined mrs nickleby drawing herself up and patting her daughter's hand more blandly than before to attract the attention of one of us mm, you needn't be at all uneasy my dear kate looked very much perplexed was apparently about to ask for further explanation when a shouting and scuffling noise as of an elderly gentleman whooping and kicking up his legs on loose gravel with great violence was heard to proceed from the same direction as the former sounds and before they had subsided a large cucumber was seen to shoot up in the air with the velocity of a sky-rocket whence it descended tumbling over and over until it fell at mrs nickleby's feet this remarkable appearance was succeeded by another of precisely similar description then a fine vegetable marrow of unusually large dimensions was seen to whirl aloft and come toppling down then several cucumbers shot up together and finally the air was darkened by a shower of onions turnip radishes other small vegetables which fell rolling and scattering and bumping about in all directions as kate rose from her seat in some alarm and caught her mother's hand to run with her into the house she felt herself rather retarded than assisted in her intention and following the direction of mrs nickleby's eyes was quite terrified by the apparition of an old black velvet cat which by slow degrees as if its wearer were ascending a ladder or a pair of steps rose above the wall dividing their garden from that of the next cottage which like their own was a detached building and was gradually followed by a very large head and an old face in which were a pair of the most extraordinary grey eyes very wild 
very wide open and rolling in their sockets with a dull languishing leering look almost ugly to behold mamma cried kate really terrified for the moment why do you stop why do you lose an instant mamma pray come in kate my dear returned her mother still holding back how can you be so foolish i'm ashamed of you how do you suppose you're ever going to get through life if you're such a coward as this what do you want sir said mrs nickleby addressing the intruder with a sort of simpering displeasure how dare you look into this garden queen of my soul replied the stranger folding his hands together this goblet sip nonsense sir said mrs nickleby kate my love pray be quiet won't you sip the goblet urged the stranger with his head imploringly on one side and his right hand on his breast oh do sip the goblet i shall not consent to do anything of the kind sir said mrs nickleby pray be gone why is it said the old gentleman coming up a step higher and leaning his elbows on the wall with as much complacency as if he were looking out of a window why is it that beauty is always obdurate even when admiration is as honourable and respectful as mine here he smiled kissed his hand and made several low bows it is owing to the bees who when the honey season is over and they are supposed to have been killed with the brimstone in reality fly to barbary and lull the captive moors to sleep with their drowsy songs or is it he added dropping his voice almost to a whisper in consequence of the statue at charing cross having been lately seen on the stock exchange at midnight walking arm in arm with the pump from oldgate in a riding habit mamma murmured kate do you hear him hush my dear replied mrs nickleby in the same tone of voice he is very polite and i think that was a quotation from the poets pray don't worry me so you'll pinch my arm black and blue go away sir quite away said the gentleman with a languishing look oh quite away yes returned mrs nickleby certainly you have no business here this is private property sir you ought to know that i do know said the old gentleman laying his finger on his nose with an air of familiarity most reprehensible that this is a sacred and enchanted spot with the most divine charms here he kissed his hand and bowed again waft mellifluousness over the neighbours gardens and force the fruit and vegetables into premature existence that fact i am acquainted with but will you permit me fairest creature to ask you one question in the absence of the planet venus who has gone on business to the horse guards and would otherwise jealous of your superior charms interpose between us kate observed mrs nickleby turning to her daughter it's very awkward positively i really don't know what to say to this gentleman one ought to be civil you know dear mamma rejoined kate don't say a word to him but let us run away as fast as we can and shut ourselves up until nicholas comes home mrs nickleby looked very grand not to say contemptuous at this humiliating proposal and turning to the old gentleman who had watched them during the whispers with absorbing eagerness said if you will conduct yourself sir like the gentleman i should imagine you to be from your language and and appearance quite the counterpart of your grandpa kate my dear in his best days and will put your question to me in plain words i will answer it if mrs nickleby's excellent papa had borne in his best days a resemblance to the neighbour now looking over the wall he must have been to say the least a very queer-looking old gentleman in his prime perhaps kate thought so for she ventured to glance at his living portrait with some attention as he took off his black velvet cap and exhibiting a perfectly bald head made a long series of bows each accompanied with a fresh kiss of the hand after exhausting himself to all appearance with this fatiguing performance he covered his head once more pulled the cap very carefully over the tips of his ears and resuming his former attitude said the question is 
here he broke off to look round in every direction and satisfy himself beyond all doubt that there were no listeners near assured that there were not he tapped his nose several times accompanying the action with a cunning look as though congratulating himself on his caution and stretching out his neck said in a loud whisper are you a princess you are mocking me sir replied mrs nickleby making a feint of retreating towards the house no but are you said the old gentleman you know i am not sir replied mrs nickleby then are you any relation to the archbishop of canterbury inquired the old gentleman with great anxiety or to the pope of rome or to the speaker of the house of commons forgive me if i am wrong but i was told you were the niece to the commissioners of paving and daughter-in-law to the lord mayor and court of common council which would account for your relationship to all three whoever has spread such reports sir returned mrs nickleby with some warmth has taken great liberties with my name and one which i am sure my son nicholas if he was aware of it would not allow for an instant the idea said mrs nickleby drawing herself up niece to the commissioners of paving pray mamma come away whispered kate pray mamma nonsense kate said mrs nickleby angrily but that's just the way if they said i was a niece to a piping bullfinch what would you care but i have no sympathy whimpered mrs nickleby i don't expect it that's one thing tears cried the old gentleman with such an energetic jump that he fell down two or three steps and grated his chin against the wall catch the crystal globules catch em bottle em up cork em tight put sealing wax on top seal em with a cupid label em best quality and storm away in the fourteen bin with a bar of iron on the top to keep the thunder off issuing these commands as if there were a dozen attendants all actively engaged in their execution he turned his velvet cap inside out put it on with great dignity so as to obscure his right eye and three-fourths of his nose and sticking his arms akimbo looked very fiercely at a sparrow hard by till the bird flew away when he put his cap in his pocket with an air of great satisfaction and addressed himself with respectful demeanour to mrs nickleby beautiful madam such were his words if i have made any mistake with regard to your family or connections i humbly beseech you to pardon me but if i suppose you to be related to foreign powers or native boards it is because you have a manner a carriage a dignity which you will excuse me saying that none but yourself with the single exception perhaps of the tragic muse when playing extemporaneously on the barrel-organ before the east india company can parallel i am not a youth ma'am as you see and although beings like you can never grow old i venture to presume that we are fitted for each other really kate my love said mrs nickleby faintly and looking another way i have estates ma'am said the old gentleman flourishing his right hand negligently as if he made very light of such matters and speaking very fast jewels lighthouses fish-ponds a whaler of my own in the north sea and several oyster beds of great profit in the pacific ocean if you will have the kindness to step down to the royal exchange and take the cocked hat off the stoutest beadle's head you will find my card in the lining of the crown wrapped up in a piece of blue paper my walking-stick is also to be seen on application to the chaplain of the house of commons who is strictly forbidden to take any money for showing it i have enemies about me ma'am he looked towards his house and spoke very low who attack me on all occasions and wish to secure my property if you bless me with your hand and heart you can apply to the lord chancellor or call out the military if necessary sending my toothpick to the commander-in-chief will be sufficient and so clear the house of them before the ceremony is performed 
after that love bliss and rapture rapture love and bliss be mine be mine repeating these last words with great rapture and enthusiasm the old gentleman put on his black velvet cap again and looking up into the sky in a hasty manner said something that was not quite intelligible concerning a balloon he expected and which was rather after its time be mine be mine repeated the old gentleman kate my dear said mrs nickleby i have hardly the power to speak but it is necessary for the happiness of all parties that this matter should be set at rest for ever surely there is no necessity for you to say one word mamma reasoned kate you will allow me my dear if you please to judge for myself said mrs nickleby be mine be mine cried the old gentleman i can scarcely be expected sir said mrs nickleby fixing her eyes modestly on the ground that i should tell a stranger whether i feel flattered and obliged by such proposals or not they are certainly made under very singular circumstances still at the same time as far as it goes and to a certain extent of course mrs nickleby's customary qualification they must be gratifying and agreeable to one's feelings be mine be mine cried the old gentleman gog and magog gog and magog be mine be mine it will be sufficient for me to say sir resumed mrs nickleby with perfect seriousness and i'm sure you'll see the propriety of taking an answer and going away that i have made up my mind to remain a widow and to devote myself to my children you may not suppose i am the mother of two children indeed many people have doubted it and said that nothing on earth could ever have made them believe it possible but it is the case and they are both grown up we shall be very glad to have you for a neighbour very glad delighted i'm sure but in any other character it's quite impossible quite as to my being young enough to marry again perhaps that may be so or it may not be i couldn't think of it for an instant not on any account whatever i never said i would and i never will it's a very painful thing to have to reject proposals and i would much rather that none were made to me at this time this is the answer that i determined long ago to make and this is the answer i shall always give these observations were partly addressed to the old gentleman partly to kate and partly delivered in soliloquy towards their conclusion the suitor evinced a very irreverent degree of inattention and mrs nickleby had scarcely finished speaking when to the great horror of both the lady and her daughter he suddenly flung off his coat and springing on the top of the wall threw himself into an attitude which displayed his small clothes and grey worsteds to the fullest advantage and concluded by standing on one leg and repeating his favourite bellow with increased vehemence while he was still dwelling on the last note and embellishing it with a prolonged flourish a dirty hand was observed to glide stealthily and swiftly along the top of the wall in pursuit of a fly and to clasp with the utmost dexterity one of the old gentleman's ankles this done the companion hand appeared and clasped the other ankle the encumbered old gentleman lifted his legs awkwardly once or twice as if they were very clumsy and imperfect pieces of machinery and then looking down on his own side of the wall burst into a loud laugh it's you is it said the old gentleman yes it's me replied a gruff voice how's the emperor of tartary said the old gentleman oh he's much the same as usual was replied no better and no worse the young prince of china said the old gentleman with much interest is he reconciled to his father-in-law the great potato salesman no answered the gruff voice and he says he never will be that's more if that's the case observed the old gentleman perhaps i'd better come down 
well said the man on the other side i think you had perhaps one of the hands being then cautiously unclasped the old gentleman dropped into a sitting posture and was looking round to smile and bow to mrs nickleby when he disappeared with some precipitation as if his legs had been pulled from below very much relieved by his disappearance kate was turning to speak to her mamma when the dirty hands again became visible and were immediately followed by the figure of a coarse squat man who ascended by the steps which had recently been occupied by their singular neighbour begging your pardon lady said this newcomer grinning and touching his hat has he been making love to either of you yes said kate ah rejoined the man taking his handkerchief out of his hat and wiping his face he always will you know nothing will prevent his making love i need not ask you if he is out of his mind poor creature why no replied the man looking into his hat throwing his handkerchief at one dab and putting it on again that's pretty plain that is has he been so long asked kate long while and there's no hope for him said kate compassionately not a bit and don't deserve to be replied the keeper he's a deal pleasanter without his senses than with them he was the cruelest wickedest and outerest old flint that ever drawed breath indeed said kate by george replied the keeper shaking his head so emphatically that he was obliged to frown to keep his hat on i never came across such a vagabond and my mate says the same broke his poor wife's heart turned his daughter out of doors drove his sons into the streets it was a blessing he went mad at last though evil tempers and covetousness and selfishness and guzzling and drinking or it have drove many others so hope for him an old rip there isn't too much hoping going but i'll better crown what there is is safe for more deserving chaps than him anyway with which confession of his faith the keeper shook his head as much as to say that nothing short of this would do if things were going to go on at all and touching his hat sulkily not that he was in an ill humour but his subject ruffled him descended the ladder and took it away during this conversation mrs nickleby had regarded the man with a severe and steadfast look she now heaved a profound sigh and pursing up her lips shook her head in a slow and doubtful manner poor creature said kate ah poor indeed rejoined mrs nickleby it's shameful that such things should be allowed shameful how can they be helped mamma said kate mournfully the infirmities of nature nature said mrs nickleby what do you suppose this poor gentleman is out of his mind can anybody who sees him entertain any other opinion mamma why then i'll just tell you this kate returned mrs nickleby that he's nothing of the kind and i'm surprised you can be so imposed upon it's some plot of these people to possess themselves of his property didn't he say so himself he may be a little odd flighty perhaps many of us are that but downright mad and express himself as he does respectfully in quite poetical language and making offers with so much thought and care and prudence not as if he ran into the streets and went down upon his knees at the first chit of a girl he met as a madman would no no kate there's a great deal too much method in his madness depend upon that my dear End of chapter 41